welcome back to another episode of Heart on the Hill. As always, I'm your host, Micah Hart. It's great to be on the show with you today. I'm so excited to talk about everything going on in politics. There is so much going on, so without further ado, let's get into things. Well, first off, I want to start off with an update from a story that I talked about last week. According to ABC News, John Fetterman is set to rejoin his colleagues in the Senate the week of April 17 after being hospitalized for depression. So I wanted to just talk about this for a few minutes now because obviously I talked about it last week and I think it's an important story to continue to bring up. I think it's something we really need to emphasize and talk about more is mental health and I think that this is a big story and should be a big story rightfully so there's a lot going on with this whole thing too because people are like well who's voting in the senate and stuff and how are these numbers now playing out which that yeah that's something you can look into but I want to focus on the mental health aspect of this because that's what I think is very important and key in this as well I am happy that John Fetterman was able to go get the help that he needed and needs. I think that we should allow that and be supportive of that as a country, as people. People go through mental health issues and we need to be there. I don't care if it's a member of Congress, a president, anybody. People can go through them. Anyone can. It's part of human nature to go through these struggles. When you become a senator, a house member, president, judge, whatever you become— it doesn't just go away. An occupation doesn't mean you don't have mental health issues. So I know some people have critiqued John Fetterman and obviously rightfully so on certain issues. I would critique him on a lot of his policy, but I'm not going to critique this because I think it was good that he got the help that he needed and we should be able to put aside politics and support a person who is going through something and support them to get the help that they need because that is really what it should come down to is you need help, you should go get that help. Don't worry about this right now. That's what we need to be starting to embrace and this tearing down the stigma around mental health, whether it be politically, emotionally, culturally, in, in a society. There is so much stigma around mental health, around men's mental health. And I think that as a society, we need to really reflect and say, well, where has this led us now with the stigmas we have? We need to move on. It's time for us to move forward and be compassionate, be understanding, look at other people's stories, hear them, listen. Being somebody who listens is so important nowadays. And I think far too often we just go into our echo chambers and just go off at people. We don't care. But those are other people whose hearts and stories we're dealing with, you know. I think you can call people out without being mean about it, without going at a person's character. I don't think that we should be stooping so low as to attack a person's character when we are debating somebody on a policy issue. It, it just, to me, seems disgusting, and that's kind of another part of this, too. But, like, I think we also don't know the stories of those people who we are arguing against too and that's something that plays into this as well but I am really happy as I said that he has been able to get that and that he will be going back to do his job um, serve his constituents that's also a great thing and I, as I said I disagree with him heavily on a lot of things but they people of Pennsylvania also do deserve to have their senator there voting and representing them that's who they voted for so I'm happy that he'll be able to do that again 
The Senate voted to end the national emergency that has been in place due to COVID-19. The emergency ended early, and according to the U.S. News and World Report, the vote was 68 to 23 in a roll call vote. Several Democrats crossed the line to, to work to end the emergency order that had been in place. The bill was passed by the House in February, and it will now make its way to Biden's desk for signing. The Biden administration had planned on ending the national emergency declaration in May. In addition to this, the White House argued that putting this emergency to an end also means an end to Title 42, which the Trump administration put forth. According to CBS News, Title 42 made it so that migrants could be expelled from the U.S. on the basis of public health. It is important to note, as PBS News Hour states, that the title had been in place for decades. However, the Trump administration really used it to limit border crossing during the pandemic. I think that this is a really interesting story to look into. I've talked about this before. To me, it's ridiculous that this that this national emergency was still in place now. I, I just don't understand why it's still been in place. This pandemic has been over. It's been over. I understand people are still getting COVID. They will. People will probably still get COVID for a long time now. But the national emergency is over and the government has just been keeping this power, maintaining their authority by having this emergency in place. And that's not okay. We should be allowed to move on and move forward. I question why we kept it in place so long. It, it, it's been done. People are moving on with their lives. Businesses are going back to normal as much as they can. I mean, look what we did with things like this. We shut down the country. As I say, they're going back to as they were. They're not, though, as well. We have to look at that, too. Is that our company's actually going back to what they were before COVID? Or is life going back to what it was before? No, because now we have other issues we're going to be dealing with after this. We're going to be dealing with small businesses. How is that going to play out? How are these businesses still being affected by what happened with COVID and how they had to shut down? But you had other businesses, big businesses that were running online and were doing fine and now we have small businesses struggling and having to now really revamp and come back. That's a lot. And then we have education. Look at our children. Let's consider how education is going to be affected by COVID-19. COVID-19 did a number. It left kids at home for months and months learning online, doing the best they could. Kids had to figure out a way to learn. And as somebody who had to learn from home for a few months, it was difficult. It's much different than being in a classroom with a teacher who you can go up to and ask questions. You're trying to figure it out, and I'm thankful I was older. I was a junior when it all happened. So I was at home, and I had already knew known a lot of things, so I was fine. But for these younger kids, they're learning reading, writing, math, the basic foundations and building blocks for a solid education going forward. They need those. And I'm very interested to see how numbers start to play out when we see how these students are lining up with reading comprehension and are they at the age, um, are they at the right number for reading and how they should be progressing. It's definitely gonna have an effect. We're gonna see something, I think, as the years go on about what this national emergency, what all of these lockdowns in the states did to our education system and to businesses and to other aspects of society as well because i think there's going to be a big 
there's going to be a significant thing we're going to start seeing. There's going to be significant numbers. There's going to be significant issues that we see fallout from what happened. And the fact that we still have it, as I said, is repulsive. I don't know why it wasn't ended a while ago. We should have ended it before now. And it should have not be waiting until May, which is when the Biden administration said they were going to end it. Why are we keeping it in till then then? Why? Why was May the... Yeah, I've heard obviously like, like, well, we just need time to get into it. Okay, I don't care. It's time to let the American people move forward with their lives. It's time to allow life to go back to as normal as it can be. That's what people want and deserve. We should not be under this anymore. The The use of power and the desire for power is ridiculous, should be ended, completely gone. And I'm happy this that this bill was more bipartisan in a way. I think Democrats are even seeing that too now, even though Biden is was reluctant and was like, May... They, they are like, you know what? No, this is, and it's not even, it's literally almost a month, just like a month of difference, essentially. Like it's not going to do much, but it's still at least something we're getting from this. And I think the title 42 things interesting as well with the Trump administration. And now this to see really how that plays out. And if Biden uses that as his leverage to be like, oh, be careful. Look what's going to happen. I, I'm very interested to see what happens with all of that part of it. There's definitely going to be, I think, some play with that. But, I mean, we'll just see as time goes on, really, what that does and how Biden does with this. It's going to his desk, obviously, for signing. So we'll see as the weeks go on, really, what happens. But as I said, it's just a shame that this is still... That this is still an issue we're talking about is government authority during COVID-19 when COVID-19, the pandemic, is kind of subsided now. <laughs> A consultant in Philadelphia is pleading guilty to forging signatures for Democratic candidates. According to Fox News, Rasheen Cruz is set to be sentenced at the end of June for forging signatures in 2019 in hopes of getting his clients onto the Democratic primary ballots. Cruz would rent out hotel rooms and would forge on or hire others to forge signatures. He was paid per signature as well. This is just crazy. I, I mean, there are issues like this around... We see the forging of signatures. We've seen it. We see this isn't the first time it's happened. I just don't appreciate this, obviously. I think it's so corrupt when we see the forging of signatures to get somebody on a ballot. They should really just have to get on the ballot, obviously, if they can have the numbers, the real people. That's what government's supposed to be, you know. I support you. I'll sign that, and then you can run. Yes, that's what we should want. And we're getting corrupt political stuff now with consultants and everything where people just want to get on the ballot and they're so desperate and willing to just get on the ballot that they have these consultant firms go in collect these signatures and then you get issues like this and i personally just wish we could go back to when we didn't have we don't i wish we could go back to where people would just go for politics it was just politics at the end of the day it was just it was just politics like we did politics but we also were friends with people on the other side and people I feel like this is just a sign of, like, they're desperate to get on this ballot. and that, But maybe these candidates also didn't know. Like, he just was sent out, hired, go do it, and he did that. So that's also an issue to me is these companies coming in and doing that. There's so much at play here, and I, I just think I'm happy there's going to be a sentencing because, you know, things like these shouldn't be able to just go away, even if it's a few years after and the election's already done. I think we need to be holding accountable 
people accountable for their actions. As, as always, justice needs to be pursued. But I think this is also huge, too, in the um, realm of election security, election, just making sure our elections are run properly, because that has been a big concern for people on the right, especially um, recently. And I think we need to be like, hey, you know what? If you don't follow, if you don't follow the the laws, if you don't follow the rules, then you're going to get found out and we're going to go after you, even if it's a few years after. There's no like, oh, the race is done. No one will find me. No, this is like the race is done, but we're still pursuing this because this is justice. That's what we need. And that's what we should be aiming towards. And I think that that this does set that nice precedent for that to be like, yeah, we're looking into this. I'm very appreciative that things like this are being brought up in the news cycle and that we're seeing like Fox News reported on this and showing like, look, yeah, this happened and they're pursuing justice. And I think that is a thing that needs to always be pursued, especially right now with, I feel like we can see there's so much divide on everything politically, but I think this is something that's really good. Um, and it should, it should unify everyone in, we want safe elections. We want people to vote and we want people to have their voices heard. We want we the people to be heard. That's what it should be. So I'm happy about that. The Michigan GOP posted last Wednesday that compared the Holocaust to the gun proposals that Democrats in the state are putting forth. According to CNN, the Post used a photograph of wedding rings. Now, these rings were taken by Nazi Germany from the victims. And above the picture, it said, and I quote, before they collected all the wedding rings, they collected all the guns, end quote. So Chairwoman Christina Karamo, she's the Michigan GOP chair, and she said on Twitter later that day, and I quote, the United States of America, the nation I love and will fight to protect in our history, has enslaved black Americans, disarmed and murdered Native Americans through Japanese Americans in internment camps and forcibly sterilized American citizens who were mentally handicapped and from certain ethnic groups. My ancestors were enslaved and my great great grandmother grandfather was lynched by a white mob in front of his entire family. Government abuse of citizens has not only happened in world history, but American history. We will not be silent as silent we will not be silent as the Democratic Party, the party who fought to enslave black Americans and currently fights to murder unborn children, attempt to disarm us. Our Second Amendment was put in place to protect us from aspiring tyrants. And my GOP stands by our statement. Wow. This is just... I, I, I saw this and I was talking to some of my friends at college and I was appalled that they used it and compared it to the Holocaust. I think that's disgusting I, I i am so upset about this i i just don't understand why they did that they they're look i'm very much for people being able to have their second amendment rights i think that's something people should be able to have and it's in our constitution you know it's in our bill of rights however why are we comparing it to the holocaust that's insane should have never been done. And the fact that Christina Karamo wouldn't walk that back and she said, we stand by our statement. How does that make any sense? I just don't understand how she can be like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're good with that. It, we just said that these gun proposals and all this by the Democrats here, it's like this in the Holocaust. I just don't understand why 
she wouldn't walk it back and be like, we were wrong. And I understand. I, I just read you her quote. But there's, I don't understand. I don't understand it. I know that she said that, but I don't understand why she's saying that. Like, to me, it was rude. It was offensive. And it was not okay. And I, I, I am concerned, honestly, for the state of affairs in Michigan politically for the Republican Party. I think there's obviously a lot going on, a lot of leadership changes recently. And I think these statements are not helping. They're not helping at all. I know they're not helping. I can't, I'm not saying I think. I think I know they're not helping. And they're not okay. They're disgusting and abhorrent. And it just really frustrates me that that the Michigan GOP did that. And, you know, this is... The, the GOP is obviously a party that with the values I respect. I respect GOP values of family, tradition, and just living your life as a person, you know, trying to not just be tied up to the government, just being your own person. But then I see things like this, and it just concerns me at this state level, especially here now I'm seeing in the state I go to college in. And it breaks my heart to, to see things like this. I don't think we should have this stuff out there. I think it's just awful. And I really wish that this wasn't posted. I wish we just talked about the legislation and said, look, here's what the legislation is. Here's what it does and educate on it, educate what it's doing. But instead we had to, the MIGOP had to come out and be like, oh yeah, we're going to compare the gun proposals to the Holocaust. Like, why? There was no need for that. It wasn't appropriate. It's not appropriate. It's offensive, as I said. And it just, those are things that I just like leave me kind of shocked still about things that go on today. So... It's going to be interesting to see how the state party moves forward, how the country moves forward. And as I said, look, I oh, I support the GOP sentiments, a lot of them. I do. But that's the national. These are things I can't support and never will support. Things like the MIGOP are doing with this. I can't support this type of thing, and I never will. It's not... I don't care that it's the party I vote with. I'm willing to call them out. You know, that should be something we're able to do. I don't care who you support. You should be able to call your party, their people, members, state parties, state like groups out and say, you know what? That's wrong. So I will continue to do that on this show and just in my everyday life, because I do think that is something we need to continue to do as a society. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I greatly appreciate you listening today. Before I sign off, though, I just want to give my condolences out to Nashville and this um, school shooting there happened. I don't want to get into the politics of it. I don't think it's worth getting into um, right now. I think we need to just be able to come together and say we support and love all of those people who were affected and that's what we should be doing. So I'm not going to get into the politics of it ever. I don't want to. I think we just need to be able to be loving and caring and compassionate people and 
that's what I'm doing on this show. That's what I want to do. And so I just wanted to say, sending my condolences, my show, the condolences to everyone affected by such a terrible, 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 terrible thing. You are in my heart, in my prayers, and I I just want I want to see people come together, not politicizing this, but coming together and saying, we are here for you. We are here to support you. We love you. We care for you. Thank you so much for listening. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Micah Hart.